Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 339. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media. How are you doing, my friend? I am doing good. I had a nice trip out to California last week, so came back to snow, so I'm, I guess yep. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a bit of a shock. Um, but, but Yeah, but unfortunately less smoke, though. Gosh, it's awful what's going on down there. Oh, it is horrible, uh, uh, and it's not even close to, you know, uh, what's it called? Controlled, right? Oh, it was twenty percent the last I read, so it's probably yeah. better than that now. But uh, I heard this morning it was only around like twenty percent. So, and they got the whole new the new winds coming up. It's going to be fun. Well, not fun, but bad. Well, yesterday we we celebrated Memorial Day, Remembrance Day here. We call it um, your vet- Veterans Day for us. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was that was a great day. It was good taking the kids over there and honoring a, some of our old family that have passed away in that war and stuff. But uh, one thing that I wanted to highlight, I went on to Ancestry. It's, I'm a bit of an Ancestry nut. And they had a, uh, a, a free access to Fold 3. Anyway, it, it's essentially all the military records from uh, British Commonwealth, which, of course, oh, interesting. was interesting. Nice. Diff- Go ahead. And I got access to, like, the entire medical and military dossier for my great-great-grandfather. Wow. I, it told me stuff I didn't even want to know. <laughs> but it was yeah, like, how, how do I block mine so my grandkids and their grandkids can't see the... the exactly. <laughs> it was crazy. I mean, his, even his uh, military attestation, so when he signed up, everything... In his own See, in his own writing and everything. So and, and and I know it's not that that specifically isn't related to SEO, but if you think about it though, it kind of is because that's data that's out there on the internet that someday someone's going to be able to search through, right? Yep. It's it's there. There's no such thing as privacy anymore. I'm sorry to say it, but if just gonna have to get used to it. <laughs> it's all going to get out there at some dead. point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's long dead, and and you know he was a major. So he he certainly did his did did a good job. Um, was quite a guy, but wow, it's it's stunning. And to well, see his actual handwriting in 1915, well, it's well, it cool. is it is interesting though for the for the all our listeners that live in different countries. Americans, it was Veterans Day for us, which is a day of celebration of you know honoring our veterans. We have a separate holiday for honoring um, you know veterans that have passed called Memorial Day. So we actually have a separate holiday for going back and remembering and giving thanks ah, to those versus celebrating, ex- yeah, celebrating existing living veterans and, mm-hmm. and their contributions. I didn't know there was a difference between the two. That makes more sense now. Yeah. Huh. So now that we go well, into holiday history and definitions. Yeah, <laughs> we'll that's a, good. Though. You know, honoring, the, honoring we, our soldiers is a good thing. We can start thing, a whole so. new podcast just on that kind of stuff. Let's, <laughs> You'd quickly reach the limit of my knowledge, but okay. <laughs> Canadian versus American holidays, 101. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why are ours all so different, but usually talk about the same thing anyway? Yeah. 
Okay, well, we got a ton to cover, and first I should apologize to our listeners. Um, between John's travel and some intensity at my end, just from pure business, just being busy, and um, we've uh, we just missed a few <laughs> episodes, a couple episodes now this month. So uh, I guess everyone's getting used to us being about twice a month, although we're usually averaging three, and sometimes we're lucky enough to get four in a month. We like to do four. We're trying to be better. We are. But I guess we suck at that, so because <laughs> I think we've said that a few times. <laughs> we're, uh, unfortunately, sometimes work has to take precedence. <laughs> it does. But uh, yeah, we've got a web design department now, which is really exciting. So do you want out oh, there cool. design and also need some updates? Anything? Uh, we don't want to, you know, clip whoever you're working with. But there's always occasions where you can't use them or whatever. We're here to help. And yeah, it's exciting. We've got a, a veteran web designer on staff now in-house. I can walk over and talk to him. None of this offshore stuff anymore. It was killing me. Wow. So excited about it. A real yeah. flesh and blood person. Nice. Yes, but it's also very stressful because all of a sudden I've got that person to start covering business for. So I'm like, oh, okay. Now, <laughs> I've got lots of clients that need it right now, but you know that's going to end soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's been busy. So the first uh, article here you, you mentioned was Googler dis Googlers disagree about removing versus improving content for Google ranking benefits. Yeah, and we, yes, talked about this a few times. We have. You and I disagree on this so, to a point. Not always. I mean, yeah, yeah, to Sometimes. a point. Sometimes we do. But it was really funny because uh, Gary Ish and John Mueller basically on the same day came out and said very opposite things about this topic. Um, I think it was during PubCon, you know, a week or so ago that Gary was there talking about this. And he says, um, I'm just going to make sure I say the right person said the wrong thing, the right thing. Um, basically, John, you know, let's go to John. John explained that uh, he believes that removing content helps a site rank better. Um, if you remove pages, whereas Gary at PubCon said it's much, much better to update the content on a page than to remove it. So while Ross and I have debated this over and over again, apparently there's debates inside of Google as well on what's best. And I think it really depends on your situation. As Ross and I have said, you know, if you have really low quality content that that you can remove, that's not driving traffic to your site, there's no inbound links to it, um, removing it probably will help your site a little bit because it thins out, it gets rid of that low quality content and improves the overall site content. And I think there are cases though, however, this is where Ross and I disagree. If you have old outdated content, sometimes it might be better just to update that content to more current content instead of just getting rid of the page already. What? Especially <clears> and even targeted. then, we don't disagree all the time. I just don't think you can do that for an entire site. You have to pick your battles and remove the other stuff. Uh, if you can, uh, that's the thing. I, I just find that, and even even uh, Mueller said that he said, you know, there may be instances where you just can't do it all. You you have to focus, and then in those situations, you can remove the other stuff. I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but that's essentially, and and I, I, you know, in our case, when we were talking about that, I mean, I was talking about all the articles we've written on my site since two thousand one or two thousand, mm -hmm. and like, there's no way <laughs> go back and update all those. There's no point in most cases. Um, and although this is where we definitely disagreed, I did remove a bunch of it. And I kind of regret it, but I don't, because it would have been months of work to update them, not to make them better, but to make them fit our template. And, oh, because they were all in hand-done HTML at the time, back then. 
Oh, you use a CMS. So it would have been a flipping nightmare. See, that's the first time you said that. that I didn't know that. That's yeah. crazy. So images were broken. Links were broken. I mean, it was just chaos. <laughs> I mean, it linked all the old search engines. I mean, it's ancient, right? It's 20 years ago almost. <laughs> I still personally think it's just a, a conspiracy theory for you to try to get rid of Hedger's old content. <laughs> oh, I love that content. It was so chaotic. The, oh, the, yeah. the, the, the fusses that guy started, he, he was very, very... Uh, he had no well, problem sharing his opinion. Yeah, <laughs> and well, I loved it. It was great. It's business. great now because now he does it all on Facebook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we, we butted heads a lot, but I do miss having him around. It was fun. Uh, it's a, it was a good dynamic, and he's such a good guy no matter what, right? Yeah. So, definitely missed that spirit around. But he's on the other side of the country now. So, um, Okay, Yelp versus Google. How they deal with fake reviews. Now, this is an article by Joy Hawkins um, on searchengineland.com. And the reason I posted this is I thought it was kind of interesting. I'm usually on the same um, same side as Mike Blumenthal in that I pretty much hate Yelp. Um, because unless you are a power user, you can pretty much kick kiss any review you leave goodbye. I mean, it just doesn't get through their filter. They're just like, oh, unless you're using us a lot, you must be spamming. And it pisses me off, <laughs> especially yeah. when clients are trying, you know, like really hard to build up their profiles. It's very hard to find anyone who's a power Yelp user. It's that simple that leaves reviews all the time. Mm -hmm. Yes, users that use Yelp to get answers, certainly they've got a good following, but not ones that publish. And as a result, the people, they, they, their, their patients, their clients, whoever it may be, customers that leave a review, if it's only one they've done or even two or three on Yelp, they all just go into nowhere. They just get filtered out. And at one so point they, they have a thing where you could drill down and find those if you dug deep enough? Oh, yeah. Did only, get rid of that too? No, I think it's still there. It was only a click away. You just click on ones that were censored, and then you could see them. But how's that helping, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. in this case... Uh, Joey is waxing eloquent in some regards um, that she actually appreciates how steadfast they are. In this case, she discusses how um, one person was caught uh, or one advertiser who was spending thousands of dollars a month on Yelp um, was caught with some nefarious uh, reviews, sponsored reviews of some kind. They were certainly trying to manipulate Yelp and Yelp caught them. Well, they canceled all their ads even, even though Yelp was making thousands a month off it. Wow. Um, and really followed what I have to admit was a pretty ethical standpoint. Not ethical, I mean, at least they were standing for their policies. And that's, you know, as much as I don't agree with them all the time, in this case, that was pretty cool. I mean, yeah. they cut everything. Google would never cut your ads. No doubt. It's interesting, too, because just today I was in an AT&T store. I'm, looking, I'm thinking about getting an Apple Watch, just in case. But I was staring talking to the girl. I noticed on the counter they had a big sign sitting there. It said, had the big Google logo. And it said, if you had a five-star experience, leave us a five-star review. And underneath it says, um, ask your salesperson for 15% discount on something if you don't like accessories. And I, I picked the sign up oh, and, put, and, and showed it to her. It says, you know, this is against Google's terms and services, don't you? And she's like, well, I'll tell my manager. But you know that's got to be coming from higher. Is that than against you. the law? I don't know if it's against the law or not, but I know it's against Google's terms and services. Um, I it was. I thought solicit, like I'm not soliciting, but um, providing benefits for, I forget what it is, but 
anyway, it's yeah, certainly it certainly gets Google rules. <laughs> yeah, well, and certain policies for different industries, it definitely is. Yeah, uh, you, know, you can't you can't even solicit reviews for some medical professions, and if you right. do, it's big time bad, big. Yeah, but 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 it's a it's it's actually a common practice for yeah. people who don't know to say, hey, look, we'll give you a discount, or here's a coupon if you fill out a review, or that kind of stuff. Which is, mm-hmm. if Google catches you, that's you're not supposed to be doing that. It's, it's akin to buying links, right? From the from the review standpoint. So, sadly, um, I know from experience that if you're a big company like that, you get a slap. If and that, it's private, a private slap, and then <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. Especially if they're, especially if they are spending a ton load of money on ads, PPC. Yeah. Unless they don't listen, and then they keep doing it, then of course they're going to get the slap, but the big slap. But in yeah. most cases, the big guys just get. You know, right. talking but, to you, and that's it. But but to your point, I guess it is. You know, Yelp might be a little too aggressive in some cases, but at least they're taking a stance and sticking by their guns. Anyway, um, I have to say, but it was pretty impressive. She, she's essentially taking Google to task for not sticking to their own policies. You know, don't be evil, garbage. Um, but we know that they don't follow. They say they do. Um, <laughs> anyway, it was good. It's a good article, and and it is a, a stark comparison between the two all right this is yours this is interesting so we we heard about this a few months ago and and there were rumors that google was going to go into search console um and allow you to combine all the data so so you can look at your www's version of your site subdomains and have all that in one place instead of having to have all these different accounts for all the different variations of your url or subdomains on your URL, um, they were going to smush them together to have one big data set. And we haven't heard much about it in a while. And just last week, someone posted on Twitter that they they showed where they're, they're testing something called the domain property, which is what Google is calling this um, combined version of all the variations on your domain under one Yay! search console. They're testing it at least. Please, please, Google, re- release it, fix it, make it work, and send it out into the wild as soon as you possibly can. Oh, God, what a so nice that'll that be. Comes out. Yes, it will. We've talked about that for the whole depth whole series i think begging for something like that absolutely i mean it's and if we can get them to do exactly the same thing on the analytics with the ability because they already have the thing where you can break down and see the different variations and the different views in analytics why can't you squish all your variations of your domain in there too yeah exactly (laughs) just the whole thing just is finally happening (laughs) (laughs) maybe (laughs) well that's good news yes that is very good news All right, let's take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about Google My Business. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. 
TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. WebmasterRadio.fm. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on WebmasterRadio.fm, hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. So, uh, this is an SE Roundtable article called Google My Business Removes Addresses from Service Area Businesses. And this is, uh, this is interesting. Uh, you know, technically, a service area business is a company or business that doesn't really have a headquarters where people can show up to because they serve an area. Typically, this is a, a plumber who's yeah. always on the road. It's kind, of, um, it's, kind of, it's kind of defined if you perform your service at your customer's address instead of your address. Exactly. You're a service well service business. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in this case, uh, you know, many of them um, have also put their address in there for their home. Um, just and, and, and this is no fault of their own. This is Google pretty much made, made it necessary for them to do that because they needed some way to get some visibility because still Google absolutely sucks I can't even use the words for service area uh, helping service area businesses get exposure. I mean, it just is awful. Um, They are second-class citizens, and it's not fair Uh, because they don't have a physical address. It's so difficult for them to get found. Um, They definitely are a disadvantage. So, anyways, they have Google My Business has removed the addresses from some of these uh, because obviously it conflicts with the fact that they really aren't at their address, which. According to Google policy, they have to be at this physical address eight hours a day, or so at least someone has to be there manning that location for customers showing up, um, which obviously is not the case here. Um, so it makes sense that they removed it. It certainly sticks to their guns, but uh, I sure wish they'd improve this. Uh, I've got some mm-hmm. clients that are, it's so frustrating trying to help them out. And I, I posted something. I told this, told you this, I think, um, one or two shows ago, but I posted a comment to Mike Blumenthal, uh, request uh, and a couple other people on it, one of the forums, a private forum. But and he, I said, so what? What can I do for these guys? What do I need to do to get them the visibility? He says, step one, get them a headquarters downtown or get them office space downtown. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> you know, it's not feasible for many businesses. And and I've said that to a couple of clients after. So I'm like, you know, what? I want to sort of share the joke, but the fact is that it's this is kind of true the way things are that they have to do that, and they write rightfully got angry they're like google cannot tell me to do this well i'll tell you what the the conference i was at last week was uh um quickbooks connect and there's tons and tons of um the monday of the conference was accountant day right and so i talked to a ton of accountants everybody from you know people who have big offices with staffs and everything to to accountants that have lots of big accounts working out of their home and this question came up a number of times and, and luckily i could tell them you know they have just made this change 
However, what I couldn't tell them is if it really has an impact on their rankings, right? Because if they're making this adjustment on the back end to get rid of addresses, one of the one of the problems with service area businesses is if they are in a, in a space like accountants where some of them work out of their homes and some of them have offices, the people that had offices always have an advantage. Mm-hmm. So when they made this change, I couldn't tell them, did the algorithms also change to make it more competitive you know, in the service area space versus one that has an address versus one that or a physical location versus one that doesn't. The fact that they're getting more attention to it is a good sign. Yeah, you know, they're giving more attention. Now, the, the thing that we haven't covered here is that uh, you can no longer specify your service area by just creating that circle. Uh, it was a circle you just create around the area that you service, um, uh, which was silly anyway. I think it was kind of interesting, but silly. Well, now I think in this to a degree is a good idea, is that you now have to specify your service area by region, city, or zip code. Do you um, know if you can do multiple cities? I didn't. I haven't dug in to see that yet, because that's always know. been a question, too. You know, you would hope so, but just the same. They have to give, like, not everyone's going to be on the same level. Uh, right. You'd think it would have to specify secondaries. I wish I'd seen this. I haven't seen it yet. I'll have to go digging into this. Yeah, I don't I have seen, many service area business clients. I'll have I, haven't to go seen, I haven't seen it in the wild either. So, um, But it does help in some cases because a lot of cases when, you, when they were working from their address, you know, they lived in a suburb of the city they did business in and they would have to put the suburbs as yeah. their address and that would be so. Now at least they can do is, even if they only get one city, they can do it in the main city where they service client, the, their clients come from. And I can see Google uh, taking a special notice of where they are on a regular basis to mm-hmm. corroborate this. Um, I don't know whether or not they're going to, but that would make a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Saying, okay, yeah, I see you going to this area. You mean like that tracking would... their phones? Well, we know they do that, but... Well, only if you're searching, right? Yeah, so that's the yeah. thing. I don't know how much of that they can even apply legally. Another reason, um, not, another reason not to get an Android. <laughs> <laughs> um, you knew I had to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, of course you did. Um, <laughs> well, you have to start with one reason anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so anyway, it's it, there's a lot of questions around this, as you can tell. Um, we can only hypothesize, but um, it would make damn good sense if they gave if Google gave them an app that said, okay, click this, make sure it's running all the time, and this will prove to us that you are in these areas. And if it gives them a benefit, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. That would be great. It would show where they are on a regular basis. Uh, that'd be awesome. Anyway, next up, Google My Business ads setting for Google Assistance calls over duplex. <laughs> this is pretty interesting. This is um, neat. Yeah. Now, did I post this last time or did you? I, I, think read I, it, but... I think I posted it, but if you read it, if you want to talk about it, that's cool. I think it's it's awesome, actually. But Yeah, so everyone uh, may recall... Um, a while back when Google released uh, the demo of Duplex. This is where you could have a conversation with, um, well, essentially, your Google Assistant could call a hair hair salon and create an appointment for you, and the person answering the phone and taking the appointment barely even recognized that it was a a robot uh, or an assistant. Well, you can now, in some cases, and again, this is only seen, I think, barely seen in the wild. I don't know if this has been rolled out everywhere. Um, but uh, you can now enable it so that people can work with your assistant for your business to set up appointments. 
Um, so, so I think what they're doing is is I don't know what the default is, but there's a checkbox yeah. that says that you will accept calls from a Google Assistant, right? Oh, it's sorry, that's what it was. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can actually say I will accept these calls from the Google AI, or I won't. If you don't, if you don't want to accept automated calls like this um, from an AI, you can uncheck the box. I'm not sure what the default is, whether it's checked or unchecked. My guess is Google would check it as a default. If you don't want them, you have to uncheck it, but I don't know for sure. Um, yeah, although I obviously got it wrong so far. I thought it said it. It says here at the bottom of the article says if you do not want robots calling you, you can disable it. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I'm assuming so that it's going to be a default of checked, and if you don't want to get those calls from the Google AI robots, you can uncheck it. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I bet that's. I would expect that's U.S. only right now. That's a big deal. I bet for them, a lot of yeah. uh, bandwidth to be used there. So I'd expect to. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, this kind of gave me. A, oh no, actually no, I'm not on that yet. So Google PageSpeed <laughs> Insights tool gets a major update with more data from Lighthouse. So if anyone uses the Chrome browser and has played with the developer tools, there's an option called Lighthouse, which allowed you to run diagnostics on the website that you're on, and it would give you detailed uh, statistics about the page speed, the uh, first paint uh, they called it, um, essentially how you know how long it took for the first paint to appear on the page, the look, the, the feel of the page to appear, um, to first content, to all these things. It was quite detailed um, and way over the top for the average user. But what they have now done is they've implemented some of the more important key, you know, key aspects of it into the PageSpeed Insights tool. So when you run it on your website, it gets gives you way more detail, um, and I think it's pretty darn cool. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a good update. And, and actually, Barry's article, he said that he had a few sites that had that their, their page speed numbers dropped because of this update, so they're obviously changing the actual calculations that are determined the numbers as well. So you might want to go back and double-check some of your sites if, if you've been working hard on page speed and you got it to a place where you wanted it. You might be able to even do better now, because they've, they've added so much more data. Yeah, and actually, I have to admit, I, I I was a little shocked. Google um, definitely dropped ours for for step fourths, um, and uh, it's all that old. It's all that old hedger content doing it to you. <laughs> and there's a home page. Damn it. Um, yeah, and everyone should keep in mind they're only looking at the page that you enter. They're not looking at your whole site. Um, very few systems will do that, and they're definitely paid for. But in this case, I I wanted to see whether or not it compared well to gtmetrics.com, which is. Uh, you know, a pretty damn good system and one yeah. that I typically go by versus the PageSpeed Insights because yeah. it's a that's little complicated. That's my go-to as well. And you know what? The the time load times and information was actually almost on par. Nice. Uh, which is a huge change. Um, in, in this case, it was first meaningful paint said 4.9 seconds, which is way higher than I ever was when we first started. So something's gone wrong with our code. Um, and for GT metrics, the fully loaded time was 4.8 seconds. So it's a little different, but it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a good indicator that maybe uh, PageSpeed Insights is going to be more useful and something we can actually pay attention to. Yeah. And we can actually take a look at, you know, if, if that's the data Google's publishing, that's the data they're analyzing as well. And it's we, now we have a deeper, deeper insight into what they're looking at. Yeah. And you can click on a lighthouse to find out more information about it within the, the the page speed results um, give you an idea. First, con- contentful. <laughs> I think they make up words. First, <laughs> paint <laughs> is one term. Another one is first, meaningful paint. Next is speed index. 
first CPU idle. Whoa. Um, which marks the first time at which the page's main thread is quiet enough to handle input. Hmm. Estimated input latency and time to interactive. Whoa. It's, it's, we're, we're talking SEO 301 now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But and I, the, to give them credit here, you just roll your mouse over those and they give you explanations and then you can click to learn more. So that's very good. It's nice to see that. They don't well, just assume give, you know everything. Give them credit for trying to help people improve, for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, this, give, this is the one to give me kind of a, a kick. Okay. <laughs> Solving complex SEO problems requires a new discovery approach. No, I, I love the people who wrote this, so I shouldn't be too hard on them. But you know, this is very. This is one I <laughs> should have read. When have we not done a discovery approach when we're talking about SEO? <laughs> Nothing in this is is really rocket science. But anyway, um, have you looked at this, John? I'm looking at it now. This is the first I've seen this. Okay, well, it, it walks through how things have changed. There's two presentations covered in it. One is by uh, Hannah Thorpe, um, and another one is by Arsen Rabinovich. And uh, I don't know Hannah well, but I've seen her stuff. Arson, I definitely like what he writes on a regular basis. But um, what it comes down to is how these days, you know, it's not following a checklist of SEO, um, on-page SEO, as much as it is about branding, creating a huge brand, um, doing um, more of the eat building for your site. Um, and what does eat mean again? You're asking me? Yeah. <laughs> listening. Make sure you're listening. Expertise, authority, and technology? No. Authoritativeness and trustworthiness. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so he talks here. It gives a lot from Rand, actually, which shocked me a bit. But anyway, um, lots of stuff in here that uh, they compare. She says that... Uh, she, Hannah recommends that we attack this new SEO landscape with a three-pronged approach, technical excellence, excellence well-structured content, and being the best. So in other words, eat. Um, and yeah, gets authority, relevancy, and trust backwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she does talk about structuring content. Not that you can do this all the time, but uh, I like how she gave an example of, you know, start off with a point. In this case, what is agile software development? It talks about the point. So I'm get definition. Next, expanded examples. And all the stuff you can mark up, which is key. And then the further point is sort of like your own commentary, um, the evolution of the agile development methodology. And this is where you can write. And to sort of break this down based on what she said here, uh, how you format content matters as well. Avoid large blobs of text, keep tables clean, avoid large chunks of text in them, avoid excessive text in bulleted lists, add structured markup to your content. Now. All this stuff is very cool to read. I think I, I enjoy it. But I also, we all know that you can't apply this to every page. It's just not the way it works. But it is, it is good insight. It's good reminders for people when they are creating pages of this like. Um, uh, being the best in your own space is really the key these days. Um, but when Arson came in here, um, he, he talks about sort of the discovery approach to finding answers in SEO. And I don't think any of this has changed. Do you see anything that's changed? Not I mean, really. Yeah, uh, from a scientific perspective, what is it that's changed? We look at competitors. We look at everything. Yeah, and I, and I think that that to me that was more about what I got what this article is going to be about than what the the, the headline. I'm talking about the headline: solving complex problems requires discovery approach. And the E thing 
to me didn't make sense how that fit in this article, but this the other the other half did, as far as what are some of the steps you need to go through if you have an issue, you're trying to d determine what's going on on a site, what's causing a problem, you know. Discovery is a weird word to call investigation, but basically it's the same thing. You have to have a you have to have a process to investigate what's going on with the site. It's, it's and there's like you said, there's not a whole lot of new stuff in here. It's just a, a re, good reminders. A, good reminders of stuff we've, we've already been doing. Yeah. So the only thing, I mean, I think this is great content. The only thing I, I do object to is calling this a new approach. Right. Um, there's no way this is a new approach. Whenever we do any kind of analysis, we have to figure this out. Unless, of course, it's obvious what the issue was. And that is where it would differ. Back in the day, it might have been more obvious. Mm -hmm. uh, but even then, I never took it for granted. We always did all of this just to be sure we didn't miss something. Um, so what am I talking about here? Uh, in this case, he talks about a timeline of, of you know, create a timeline of how you lost the traffic or what happened that is causing an issue. Uh, check for manual actions, look to see if the symptoms are environmental, check if the symptoms just started presenting themselves and determine if the symptoms are, symptoms are chronic. Those are his four points. Um, then, you know, look at your competitors, make sure it's not just you or see if it's not just you. Uh, check your Google search console. Yeah, these are all parts that are of a, a, a competent audit of someone's loss in rankings. And, and this, to me, this is the way I'm reading this is more of a this is what you do if all of a sudden you have an issue and you're trying to discover what caused that issue but mm -hmm. but I think what a, a lot of people don't understand is this is you know most audits are you, you take the basics you know everybody has different audits my audits are like 300 analysis points but every one of those analysis points is let's check this if it's right or if it's wrong if it's if something's wrong then you have to go through this whole process to discover what caused the problem. So you might have, you know, a whole bunch of analysis points on your audit, but all those should be just indicators of, of problems or not. And if there is a problem, every website, or there's probably many reasons why that problem exists. And you have to dig in and discover and do this detective work to determine what caused this problem on this particular site. Right. right. Sometimes okay. it's simple. Sometimes it's not. Right. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a quick break and we come back for a couple of Mueller files and then the end of the show. SEO 101 will be back right after recess. Celebrating the best in online advertising, the Web Marketing Association presents the 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Submit your banner ads, email ads, rich media, online newsletters, websites, and social media campaigns now by going to www.iacaward.org. Deadline for entries is January 31st, 2019. All winners will have their entry highlighted on the Internet Advertising Competition website, as well as receive a handsome trophy to display or a personalized certificate of achievement. Be honored among your online advertising peers by submitting your entry into the Web Marketing Association's 2018 Internet Advertising Competition Awards. Go to www.iacaward.org now. Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at WMR.fm. 
and rush your enterprise level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Webmasterradio.fm. Keep your headphones handy and the feed loaded. We never stop. Do you? Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. All right. Google doesn't care if you copy legal disclaimers and privacy policies. I thought this was quite funny because this actual question came up at the conference last week, and they're like, "We don't know what to do because every time we write, you know, our privacy policy, it's like duplicate content of other people's." And I'm like, "Unless you're really wanting to rank for your privacy policy, <laughs> don't don't really worry, don't worry about it. Write what works for you legally and that you're comfortable with." And it's just nice to see Google say, "Yeah, we don't give a shit." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, don't use different title tags for mobile and desktop pages. Well, hmm, duh. Nice reminder, uh, though. A lot of people yeah. might not get that. Um, I, I should be so flippant. But, I mean, come on. You, you, if it's going to be mobile and it's going to be desktop, it, but it's the same content, it should have the same title. That simple. Well, sometimes I think sometimes it's not the same content, which is why this is a good reminder because there are still people out there that create different versions of a mobile site than their desktop site. Yes, um, but the gist is always the same. It yeah, should be. it should be. It should be. But yeah. you know, there's there's always those cases where someone changed it just enough to where maybe the title should change in their mind. But this is just a good reminder: don't do that. Keep the title Agreed. tags the same across both of them. Agreed. I know we have a question here, but we have... All right, let's try and get this in. We've got a couple minutes left here. Uh, So this is from Connie Ayubu. Uh, Thanks for sending in a question, by the way, Connie. We need more. Please, everyone, send them in. Okay. I was recently checking my search console links to your site report, and I saw that out of the top 20 sites that link to my site uh, when sorting by links and not linked pages are sites like, and it gives me a whole bunch of essentially Russian um, uh, domains. Yeah. Okay. Um, it says, I have no clue as to what these sites are and why they're linking to me. Should I disavow these links? I've seen some people say you don't need to disavow links and some that say you should. What do you all think? I can't see I've seen any dip in traffic, but I was concerned about negative SEO activity, possibly. Or is this just regular spam? How would you all handle this? Well, um, I, I've seen that stuff so often. I don't, I mean, listen, I don't even pay attention to it. What, do you, what about you? Yeah, if, if, if you've got the time to dig through every single one of these and look at them and see if they have any validity as far as a site goes, if you know Russian and can translate it, you know, if, if you've got that kind of time, sure, go through, see if there's spammy sites, and if they're spammy, disavow them. Otherwise, again, you, you can play it safe, and if you don't recognize it and you're worried about it, go ahead, disavow. It's probably not going to hurt you. Um, but it's also probably not going to hurt you if you don't. And many times they're connected to refer spam. I think, um, yeah. and they're designed to get you to go to their site, and then they've got malware on them. So uh, don't go and visit them, first of all. Um, and if you do, make sure you're well protected. Yeah, uh, run them through, run them through like a backlink tool, like Majestic or Ahrefs, something like that, and see if they're valuable enough. If they're passing, if they're passing anything, you can do that kind of. You can do that kind of research without actually going to the site. If yeah. again, if you have the time, most people don't. Yeah, and if it's obviously not valuable, it's not valuable. It's that simple. Um, and if you want to um, 
uh, what you call it, disavow them, it certainly won't hurt. But it's not going to be something you need to put any effort into. Um, I really don't believe it's uh, of any importance. I would expect those sites are heavily ignored <laughs> by yeah. Google because <laughs> yeah, there's agree. a lot of people with them. And the referrer spam thing is a real good, real good point. Yeah. All right. Wow. We roared through that. I think uh, yeah. hopefully you learned a few bits and pieces here. And please, everyone, post questions. We love them. And we will get back to them. We're getting back on track again here. Uh, knock on wood. So, uh, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and John Karka, the Vice President of Strategy for Reflexive Media, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, you know where to post them, our Google Plus community page for now. Easily found by searching SEO 101 Podcast on Google. Uh, we are going to figure out where we're going to be going to next, but it is likely going to be a Facebook page. We still have not come to a conclusion. This is a side there. Have a great week, and remember to tune in to future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening, everybody. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. Everyone loves shopping online. Well, I'm going to tell you what I tell my golf buddies when they buy clubs. Stop searching for coupon codes. Download Capital One Shopping to your computer. Capital One Shopping instantly searches for available coupon codes and automatically applies them at checkout. Plus, it's free, and you don't even need a Capital One card to use it. That's like hitting a hole in one without even trying. Capital One Shopping. It's kind of genius. What's in your wallet? Savings and available coupons vary.